Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Good evening and welcome to Sugar and Silk, brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. And my name is Michael Silk Olajide. Uh, and on that note, Silk, um, we, we did actually hope to be to have Aaron Barkley with us this week, you know, your old adversary. Mm-hmm. But it turns mm-hmm. out he's been inducted to the West Coast Boxing Hall of Fame uh, yeah. this, this very day. So... That kind of works out in a way because I know that you wanted to spend a good deal of focus on the big one in Las Vegas last night that saw Javonta Davis stop Brian Garcia with a yes. body shot in the seventh round. Um, yeah. You know, it was whether people have debated the merits of whether it deserved the billing and the attention it had. But I think, you know, in, a, in an era when we're starved of these great fights, cutting edge fights between two big undefeated talents. Um, when they're still young and in their primes or perhaps even before their primes, who knows? Um, I think, you know, you take what you can get and it was an exciting fight. A lot of people were on the fence, you know, split down the middle, all the rest of it. But when you look at the way things unfolded in the ring last night, there was a definite class gap, uh, which is evident from the second round on. Did you feel? Did I feel what? Sorry, what was evident? Uh, Superiority. Class gap. Yeah, I think what happened in last night's fight was Tank came out with a game plan with knowledge from his corner. They backed it up in the ring. And Garcia and um, I, I don't think they had that same thing going on. They weren't they weren't boxing in reality. They were boxing with something else, uh, like a perception of what their reality is and not really – they didn't prepare for who Tank was. They prepared for – but they thought man was who Garcia was. You know what I mean? It's like they thought that Garcia's fight personality was larger than Davis. And so they worked on things they do best instead of working on what he could do to hit Davis the best. To be successful. You know I've, I've heard that kind of I've heard that kind of maxim before, and it's always struck me as ill-conceived and a little bit uh, ignorant when I've heard the tra- I've heard trainers say, "Don't worry about what they're going to do. Let them worry about what we're going to do, son." You know, which it sounds like that was that kind of um, ethos. Yeah. Of, you know, for me, yeah. there was a cagey opening round as you would ordinarily expect. Um, then after that, immediately in the second round, Garcia decided he was going to he was going to stick it on Javonta. Yeah, because size wise, the size difference. I mean, I believe they both weighed around 145 pounds on the day of the fight, about 11 in the morning. But size wise, they did kind of look quite mutton Jeff. There was a big pronounced size difference. But, but, but man, here's the thing: people talk about height advantages and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Yeah, is Garcia that much taller that 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 Davis couldn't punch him on the chin? No, there was no. no I, I, I don't know what the height advantage is. Like, if if he if sure if, if I didn't say Garcia is coming in with eight foot. If, if Garcia is coming in at eight feet tall and Tank is five feet five, okay, that is an advantage. But that what well, we saw right there. You're talking about height. Yeah, you're sorry. talking about height. I'm, I just said he looked a lot bigger. He looked a lot bigger. Full like stop, physically in every dimension. Bigger. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like size too. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he, he looked, if someone had told you it was a light middleweight fighting against, you know, um, a lightweight, I don't think you'd, you would have been astonished, mm. certainly by the filter of the old age. But yeah, in any I case... I think, I think if, I think if uh, you know, sometimes you look at fighters and, and because they're very wide, but they're thin, if you look at them from the side, they're thin. But if you look at them straight on, you don't have a 3D TV. There's no dimension to it. So, yeah, especially with the veins popping and you got all the abs and everything and he looks, you know, considerably bigger. But a uh, tank is built like a tank. And Ryan Garcia is built very like rapier. He's very thin and long. And, and uh, like Tommy Hearns, too. He looks so much bigger than all the guys he fights. And and even when he moved up to light heavyweight, he looked bigger than those guys, too. He's very long. Yeah, he he's did. very lean. Has the muscle definition, and and that just kind of like catches your eye. Yeah, well, I remember to, uh, Donald Curry after Hagler Hearns um, mm -hmm. in his analysis of what happened when Hearns was was basically destroyed. He mm -hmm. said Tommy has a big upper body, but his legs are thin. You know that was he was saying that was where the the trade off yeah. was. But um, in any case, I don't want to go down a blind alley with with the, with the Martin Jeff perception. Um, <laughs> he, he was decided he was going to stick it on him in the second round, Garcia, and mm -hmm. it looked initially like you know you can play kidology the way Tank skitted around, you know, kept changing directions and moving around the perimeter of the ring, almost like oh yeah, you're bringing heat to me and I can't handle it, just drawing him in, and then obviously. He threw that left hook. He got countered with the with the southpaw left hook as he rolled underneath, which was beautiful. And then after that moment, um, he got decidedly hesitant. I won't say gun shy, but I think he stopped believing in himself at that moment to a degree, Garcia. Yes, and then he was a lot more measured, but not measured in a in a in a smart way, just a little bit hesitant and kind of shut down a little bit. And from that moment on, um, Tank went to the gears and you saw to the rest. You know, um, in my pre-fight analysis of this fight, one of the things that, that I made sure to say was Garcia should not be chasing the knockout. He shouldn't be aggressive and, and in Davis' face. That's where Davis does his best. His vision, his fight vision, his ability to see his opponent's fists, he knows those are the only two things that he's got to worry about. He's not about looking at the guy's face or his abs or his legs, his footwork. People saying his foot was inside, was outside, didn't matter. Didn't matter. He's got two things he's worried about, the left fist, the right fist. Once a fighter focuses on those two things, you know what's coming at you. So it's easy to get away from that. You just simplify the, 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 simplify the equation. And that's exactly what Davis did so, like, amazingly well. He saw yeah. what Garcia threw, and he had an answer for all of it. His counters were in, was, was, were insane. Like, yeah, he, he did fun. the right thing. He, he, people say, oh, he's going to get inside because he's got longer arms. No, he's got reflexes. He's got timing. So, so once he makes Garcia miss, right, let's say he Garcia throws the jab at him. He slips the jab. All of a sudden, that long reach is detrimental to Garcia. It's no yeah. longer an advantage. Because he's got to yeah. bring him back now, and then Davis is already there on the inside to touch him up, and that's what he did. He the, the uh, Garcia threw the hook. He loaded up on the punch. It was obvious he was throwing it. Garcia uh, uh, Davis just got under it and came over with that left hand and caught him right in the point of the chin. And it had nothing to do with his foot positioning. It had everything to do with Garcia believing that all he had to do was hit Davis with the, his best shot and it's going to be over. He didn't anticipate Davis being able to make a miss. Nobody told the guy, listen, this guy knows how to slip. He knows how to block. He knows how to take you out of range. He's like baiting you. He's ba he baited him the whole fight. And, and, and he had no answer for that. Garcia had no answer. Well, what kind of team do you have around you when somebody doesn't tell you this guy knows how to block and slip and he knows how to draw you onto a counter? Who are you dealing with? You know, I mean, it was Joe Goosen, though, who's like a real old school boxing mind. Who, he's with this he's old school. Around the whole family, the dynasty. And, you know, he's worked with some great fighters, you know, Michael Nunn. I mean, you know what I yeah. mean? Uh, Sal Paul, who's an incredible boxer, one of the best in the 80s. And I, I just don't understand how, I mean, sometimes some trainers get the gift of just ending up with some naturally gifted Excellent. Well, Michael Nunn would be a case in point. Michael Nunn. Exactly. He had a whole lot. Of you end up with him, and it wasn't like he developed Michael Nunn from from scratch either. No. Michael Nunn was developed by somebody else all the way through, and then his inst his fight instincts and his knowledge and all the rest of that stuff kicks in. Um, you, I, I don't feel like 
I didn't hear the conversation, but in watching what Garcia did, I don't think he received the right information. He he couldn't. This is the way the communication's got to work in the corner, right? You sit, your fighter sits down, and just like Davis's did, they're saying, "This guy is trying to do this to you. Why aren't you doing that?" And not only yeah. why aren't you, and why aren't you, and you're asking those questions because you've already gone over it in training. You're not giving your fighter any options. Like you've trained him on how to counter exactly that. Now you've done it a billion times over the six months getting ready for this fight. Why isn't that happening right now? That's what you got to do. But it seems to me from that performance I saw of Garcia last night that, again, he was so, like I said earlier at the start, he was so involved in what he was going to do, and he wasn't ready for the corrective. He wasn't ready for what was going to come back at him. He thought, oh, man, as soon as I hit him with my speed and with my reflexes and my left hook is, you know, Pepino Cuevas' left hook. He's like, no. And his left hook was largely irrelevant in the whole fight. The only way it was irrelevant was to his detriment because that was the first knockdown when he missed with a left hook. And also, he was throwing um, a left hook when he got taken out with the body shot, which it was actually almost impossible to see with the naked eye when it happened. He he threw so he threw a right hand, a left hook, and a straight right. You call it a three-two, right? He threw left hook, straight right hand, and then as he did it, he backed away and then keeled over and took took that knee. And you had to look at the replay to see the shot that Tank had landed. Now, on the overhead camera on Showtime, Al Bernstein, I believe it was, said, there you go, it's a straight left to the body. But it wasn't a straight left. It, it was like an angle shot, like, a you know, the uppercut hook. It's a, it's uh, like uppercut, half, yeah. But, yeah. Wasn't it, Michael? But but, yes. it, but it didn't it look like a straight shot from the from the overhead camera? You know, I, I can almost uh, forgive, forgive yeah. Al Bernstein for calling it that way. It did look, if you slow it down, and I've watched it a bunch of times today. Well, Bernstein wasn't watching look, it from overhead either. It's No, uh, no, he wasn't watching it from overhead. There, so, but So I can't exonerate him on those grounds. Yeah, but he would have been watching yeah. a replay, I guess, like that. But um, <laughs> it was a strange shot, and you couldn't see it at first. Now, obviously, inevitably, Michael, um, you see it in bars all the time. You see a guy go down a few seconds afterwards from a body shot, and you get guys saying, that's a fix, man. You know, and all the rest of it because they don't yeah, understand yeah. the the damage of it. But, by a body but some it, yeah. people, including my friend John Doyle, was saying on the some of the Latino pages, there's a bunch of whole knowledgeable observers and ex-fighters saying he it was a fix or or accusing him at the very least of quitting. Um, you yeah. know, like dogging it and, and 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 giving it up when he if, if he'd have been Arturo Getty, he'd have got up and gone back into the fray. Your thoughts mm. on that, please. Uh you know, hey. That, that's a tricky one um, because you you never really know a fighter's intent whether he whether he tanked it or not. Um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> it, that's, that's a difficult thing to say because you're not inside a fighter's head. And when people express their opinions, they tend to express what they would do in that situation and not what or they what they really wish know. they would do, right? What, yeah. or, or you mean fighters? Yeah. It's, it's like, listen, it's so, somebody got hit with a bite. Like they're talking about, they can only talk from their character, their stock and character. They can't talk from uh, Garcia's stock and character or anyone else. So so what they tend to do is they project. They project the, what they Absolutely. would do onto the situation. And so what I'm saying is uh, I can't really, I just, what I do know about getting hit with that kind of shot is excruciating. It is very painful. The only the only thing that kind of makes you kind of like you sort of turn your head a little bit sideways is that when the referee said ten, then he stood up, and it kind of yeah. seemed maybe it was just too perfectly choreographed. You, like well, why you would see you that as like the, like why wouldn't you try getting up on eight? Sorry, you see that like the hold me back scenario in a potential street fight when somebody when they realize there's people to get in the way, they suddenly like yeah. come on then. I'll take the lot of you. And it's really when they know there's no way they're getting to their, yeah. Yeah, to their you know, protagonist. Back. I would have had, yeah. Um, yeah, oh. so so that's the way I look at it. I, it's like that was a little puzzling for a second. It looked like he could have got to his feet. Then when he got to his – if he got to his feet, even if he stood up on nine when the guy's saying ten, he could run around the ring and like, you know. But again, when you take that kind of shot – oh, your your innards are in that a different type of pain. Now, I've been hit with – like low blows, and I've been hit with uh, in the solar plexus, and, and I've been hit with the kidney shot too, but not by like a heavy puncher. And and Tank is a heavy puncher, 
that makes all the difference in the world. And, and, you know, you get hit in a floating rib. That's another thing that's extremely painful. Um, you, you can punch and, and you can tear cartilage. Like I got torn cartilage in my rib during a fight. It was one of the most excruciating things and it doesn't go away. I know that what Garcia felt was going to go away, but here's the thing. He'd been dropped already. He'd been hit with other shots. He's, Things are happening to him that have never happened to him before. So is it is it a judgment on his character, uh, or is it does it shine a light on his fight character, like that grit, that that gaddyish thing? Quite possibly, it may a little bit. But um, I've just got a message from from our editor Simon saying that Mike Ayala, my good friend, thinks yes. that Garcia quit, and and he's been there. Obviously, Simon qualified. Yeah. But um, yeah. you know, um, I don't. What I would say, the perception amongst some quarters that we had in Garcia a social media sensation and a pretty boy yeah. who wouldn't be able to stand the heat in a real, yeah. you know, in a genuine elite level battle. Yeah. I don't think he's confounded those critics, has he? Exactly. I think he's kind yeah. of fed into them to an extent yeah. from last night's performance. He had his moments, yeah. you know. I, yeah. he, I want to talk to you about something else too, Silk. Oh, he, he, he did have there. really nice gloves. I liked his gloves. Yeah, I noticed you in your rundown. Uh, inevitably, you addressed the sartorial side of things. I, yeah, I thought to. you said that that you said that Garcia won the sartorial battle, but I thought yeah. I I didn't see the ring walks because I woke up as they were touching gloves and put it on my dodgy Canadian design. <laughs> um, you know, come and get me, I don't care. Um, and um, I thought that the tank looked really good in that purple and green getup, and the gloves coordinated everything else. And I just thought yeah. he got. The, I thought that was a really nice touch, and he'd done that really well. But um, but I think maybe you liked, from what I can gather, you liked um, yeah. the, the, the... Well, Amiri is, Amiri is one of the hottest designers out there today, and Amiri did his robe, and it looked really... It was Yeah, the black splendid. robe. It was great, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was nice. It was really well done. But those gloves were kind of like a, um, I don't know, like a candy apple red kind of, you know what I mean? Like when you see one of those... Yeah. Beautiful Lamborghinis, candy apple red. They were just yeah. shining. I was like, okay. He came into a weird song. I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was it was something very like downbeat, like uh, so. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny because we talk about the music and the fashion as well. See, and now ordinarily somebody could say, "What the hell's boxing coming to?" You got these two guys on there, these talking heads, <laughs> and they're talking about robes and designers and music. But the trouble is, we can talk about boxing so deep that we're immune yeah. to that kind of criticism. Exactly. This is just the whole holistic. This, this is our holistic understanding of the sport and the whole subculture, yeah. right? I want well, to talk yes, to you about something much more boxing related. Um, okay, so uh, it raised eyebrows that the judges scored the second round. There were two ten nines to go uh, to Davis, and there was also a ten ten. Which, all right, that's stretching it a bit. But somebody said to me, "How ridiculous!" And Steve Farhub, when he was doing his little kind of inter-round summary after six rounds, I believe, he said, I don't think it's been a difficult fight to score. I got a 58-55. Obviously, Davis got a 10-8 for the second. No, not obviously. I, I, I oppose that lazy, rubber-stamp way of thinking. The reason the two judges gave it 10-9 was because Garcia was winning the round until he got tagged. I, I, whether they got it right or not, I applaud that thinking and rather than just marking it 10-8 like, but, you know, here, here's, the thing. here's the thing. If <clears throat> if you the ability to knock somebody off their feet, basically, isn't that just I mean, especially if three knockdowns in a round stop the fight, then why wouldn't it be worth the two point? To if you knock some down, let's say you're getting beat from pillar to post and then you just swing out and make Michael, it might be two points. Hang on before you go down that road. It might be two points. You might be about to lose it 10-9, and instead you win it 10-9. There's your two points. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Well, I guess right. you could do it that way too, but you're you asking know, a lot of boxing judges when you look at it that way. But I, I, I'm it's, really... It's complex, complex math for boxes right there. Exactly, right? but that's what that's what I hate. Any This suggestion, <laughs> a, ten, a, a knockdown round is automatically a 10-8. No, it's not automatically. Like I say, maybe it's only a 10-9. If you were losing a round in a big way before that, 
all right, how big a way was he losing around Tank? Uh, he was under a bit of pressure, you know, Garcia was trying to stick it on him. He was unloading. Yeah. Forearms went in there as well. But I definitely would encourage that more kind of uh, situational scoring rather than just default scoring. Okay, so so if if yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I don't see any difficulty with that. If you're looking at it that way, like he would have he would have won ten nine, but he ended up losing ten nine because those are the two points. But honestly, the winner of the round gets ten, and if a not if you score a knockdown, that pretty much automatically makes you. Uh, the winner of the round. I, but, I don't but, but it doesn't quite work that way, though. It, 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 I've, I've spoken to judges. It's not quite as simple as what you said. You don't okay. start with... Because sometimes if you lose a point, I didn't know this until recent years, but if you lose a point, you know, you say you take one point off and you're winning the round, that becomes a 9-9, not a 10-9 for your opponent if you were winning it. You know what I mean? That yeah. That's something I didn't understand until more recently. There is a 9-9 um, application there. Do you know what I mean? So okay, yeah. But uh, but draws are ten ten right? They they are, but but no, but not not if you were winning a round and you lost the point instead of ten nine, you've got nine nine. Apparently that's a thing. Nine nine, I've never heard that. The winner gets a round. The winner gets ten, no matter what. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and that's what we've always thought. But apparently not. You can have a nine nine. So trust me on this. I don't want to go down a blind alley like we're just talking in the pub or something. Yeah. Not that I go hey, to what, is, what have you got against blind people? Why that's the second time today. I'm feeling as insecure. Yeah, to be honest, we could probably get cancelled for that using that term blind alley. Have you noticed, <laughs> by the way, do you have midget gems over, over in the States? Those the candy. I, I saw. Do you have a kind of candy in the United States called midget gems? No? You don't have I them. don't think so. Maybe back in well, the Well, we don't have them anymore either. Now they're called mini gems because otherwise it might be offensive to midgets oh or people Lord, you know, who are vertically challenged. Um, <laughs> but once, I, I, fear we're, I fear we're getting away from the kind of core topics yeah. that we were looking but, to. But, but getting but, back uh, into it. So the first round happened, right? And it was a good, it was a good competitive brisk fight. Um, Tank did what we thought he was going to do. He's going to yeah. assess. He's going to move around. He's going to see what's up. And he's gonna he's gonna catch Garcia's timing, and and one yeah. thing that Gar um, but the one brilliant thing that Davis did, and it was just masterful, and I've seen a couple of fighters do it before, but not very many. George Foreman would do it again. He kept touching his hand. He kept yeah. touching his left hand, and he and when he touched his left hand, he killed his jab. He didn't even have to catch it, like block it or let him throw it. Before he even threw it, he just touched it. And he just kept yeah. touching it. And, and that's like controlling. It's like when you have sheep and you have a sheepdog and the sheep, the sheepdog kind of runs around and turns him this way and turns him that way. That's yeah. what he did. He, he like he shepherded his left hand. He killed Garcia's best weapon. And guess what? Garcia had no answer for that at all. And that's where your corner comes in and says, you know what? You got to do this, 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 because he's doing that, that, that. And they kind of yeah. left it up to Ryan's instincts, and you can't do that. Like the corner's no, got to corner's got to catch some heat as well as the fighter. It's not all Garcia's fault. Well, do you know, somebody said this the other day. They were talking about, I think it was, was it Dennis Rappaport? I don't think it was Dennis Rappaport. It could have been George Hanson Jr. It was one of these Facebook commentators, like you know, that, that we're in the regular uh, loop with. I wish I could remember who it was, but it doesn't matter. Someone said. They were going with um, who trains Davis? Can you, can sure you think who trains? He's been with him since he was a kid, though. So, okay, so somebody was probably citing Joe Goosen, and they were probably rooting for Garcia. They were probably uh, banking on Garcia based on that. But the axiom they use anyway is that, that I realize, you know, that the jockey is just as important as the horse. But I think in boxing, that's so often not the case. I, I think the jockey is massively important from, from what little I understand of horse racing. I, but I can imagine it is very important. And I see from from when people bet on horses, certainly back in the day with jockeys, I was well, familiar with that. Horses that's run important. better with jockeys on them, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, so um, I think that was another joke, right? Um, so... <laughs> I don't know if it is that um, as crucial in boxing because so many times, like you say, 
the trainer is getting false credit for doing something that a gifted fighter who's been boxing a very long time, sometimes since infancy, mm-hmm. is achieving. And they're mm-hmm. okay until they hit a crisis and then they don't know what to do. And we've seen it at the highest level where a corner has been bereft of ideas or have told them the wrong thing or have just told them nothing effectively, you yes. know. And yeah. like, like you say, Garcia was hoping his physical, uh, you know, his athleticism and his physical gifts were going to, and his greater size, were going to win him the fight last night. He didn't, um, mm-hmm. whereas Tank, as well as having those extraordinary physical gifts, has got has got a major boxing brain. And like yes. you say, everything he does, everything he does is measured and considered. You're talking about him touching the glove and measuring with his jab instead of throwing it sometimes. And, you know, and yes. he, he was able to hit him with straight punches, like a one-two or, 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 or a lead left hand yeah. even yeah. though like you say i mean you don't believe in reach advantage you, or you think it's massively exaggerated you know so yes. garcia didn't really have a game plan and he didn't not just not a game plan you could have no game plan right and you put yourself mm-hmm. in a ring with someone and maybe let's say hypothetically you didn't even know who you were fighting but certain fighters would make adjustments and they would be able to to make those adjustments on the job whereas garcia apparently couldn't do it at all mm-hmm. yeah um yeah he his his uh, ability to switch up in real time was, you know, was was pretty poor, uh, and that's unfortunate because I think that's one of the things that cost. Maybe it didn't cost him a loss, but it definitely cost him. Um, his performance could have been so much better. It could have been a, a much more competitive fight if he had done those things. I mean, w- one of the things he could have done, which would have served him well is after he is because I think it was the second or third round he started to like add the straight right hand in, right? Yeah. He had to add the straight right hand and a little success with it. But after that, just throw the right hand as as uh as window dressing and come back with the left hand. That's when you have to disguise your left hand. You know, he say everyone's thinking, okay, you want to get to the southpaw with the right hand. That's what you got to do. And yeah, and, they, they and obviously that's not what Garcia thought. Garcia thought he's going to get to him with the left hook, which is great. But you're fighting a very intelligent southpaw, and so he knew that Garcia was left hook crazy. And you saw the way he got under it, not only just the knockdown, but even in the first round, a number of times, he just slipped under it. And that would have been a shot that Garcia regularly tagged any other guy that he fought with. But I noticed but, Al Bernstein. Yeah. Al Bernstein was talking about the check hook again. And I know Frank Lotierzo, mm. who's, who's a good boxing analyst, um, mm. He was he he has a major problem with this a lot of these new boxing terms or newer boxing terms and mm-hmm. check hook is definitely one of them and he said I never in all my years of, of listening to Al Bernstein call fights for decades he never ever spoke about a check hook it never happened now he's suddenly part of this new generation you know he's talking <laughs> about the check hook all the time and he was talking about it last night I don't know if you picked up on that he kept saying the check hook is not a factor because Tank is not being aggressive he's not giving him uh, you know like an excuse or, or you know a kind of feed in yeah. for that so called check hook the idea yeah. that it's a counter when you counter some of the left hook suddenly it's a check hook right so yeah. that's what his theory was that because Davis wasn't being aggressive enough that's why Ryan couldn't use his left hook you know so often as he was expecting to yeah um i i think that well first of all with al bernstein we're talking about you know a gentleman that's never boxed before never stepped in the ring he's only watched it so he's going to give his opinion and he will be subject i mean he'll find like little term words and stuff like that that are supposedly hip and and they're telling him listen get hip everyone else is using the word check hook you better start using the word check hook or you're going to be antiquated in the dinosaur and we're going to get rid of yeah, yeah. he says these words so he can sound like he's with it you know what i mean and yeah. so yeah. I, I don't know it's it really is ridiculous call it what it is the left hook counter and he's missing it really simple yeah he's a left hook counter and it's not working yeah okay so <laughs> yeah. It lose it's devoid of its kind of sectiness at that point when you yeah when you call it like it is but um yeah, I mean, we've had the, we've obviously touched on this debate so many times. I mean, I, I always hark back to George Foreman saying to Larry Merchant on air one time. He said, "You don't really know boxing, Larry. You just speak boxing," because yeah. um, you know. <laughs> it, and and I know, and George is is right. You know, Merchant was a real pro and a veteran, 
you know, I, I say was because he, I believe he, I, don't, I think he's retired. He's, he's, he's got to be old as the hills now, right? But, um, but someone like George really did understand boxing deeply. I don't understand why George caught Fleck for his commentary and analysis. I thought George was great. I thought so, yeah. there were so many pearls of wisdom from George because he's been there and he has an intelligence above and beyond his own fighting style and an understanding mm -hmm. of all, all levels of the game. So I thought George Foreman was a great analyst. But you, you hear or not a non-boxer saying, oh, I didn't like him or no, he wasn't my cup of tea. But, yeah. you know, I don't think you'd have a problem with what he was saying like that. But, um, you know, some people talk about the factors of the fight because it's the fight itself. I don't feel it's something we can endlessly discuss because the story of it can be summed up in storyboards, you know, quite simply. But um, people have talked about did Garcia quit? You know, you would get the old kind of fix kind of um, <laughs> nonsense. But the other the other issue people are raising is dehydration, you know, just being absolutely drained of the weight with the stipulations that were upon him yeah. and all the rest of it. He said, you know, he's going to go up to 140 now. And he hasn't made an excuse of the weight, by the way. He said, I signed the contract. Yeah. But some people are saying that he was drained, you know. No, I don't I don't think he was drained at all. In fact, it, it didn't get to the point where as, you know, if it, got to late, it, got, if it got late in the fight and it had been like a knockdown drag out fight, then I'd be like, okay, maybe... You know what I mean? Yeah. This is one of those things. But it wasn't that type of – it wasn't a physically demanding fight. It was a fight of reflexes. It was a fight of two fighters with with good to excellent knowledge of boxing. You know what I mean? And and um, and it was a story of one fighter that was able to adapt on the fly, and there was a fighter that was not able to adapt at all, at all. And that yeah. was Garcia. And Garcia was not able to adapt. And that's the most important attribute in boxing when you're fighting. It's like if a guy's getting to you with something or you can't get to this guy with something, you have to try something different. So you have to be creative. You can't just be store taught or store bought. And, and you know what I mean? you got to be able to customize yourself. You have to be able to, you know, do different things. Start. I don't know. And that's the problem. Like People are robotic and they stick with the same thing and force it to work. And that never works. Yeah, and I think sometimes that can be the the thing that makes a difference. I think that's why Joe Calzaghe is a great fighter and an all-time great. Yeah. That mm -hmm. is simply you know, his legacy of just being a very good fighter. Because if you look at talent, um, then there's there are more talented fighters than Joe Calzaghe. Or you've seen guys, you might get a guy who never even made it, like Ed Hobson, you might say mm -hmm. was more talented than Joe Calzaghe. You could make an argument. But the thing that made Calzaghe, alongside his considerable talents, you know, the thing that made Joe Calzaghe an all-time great was the ability to adapt, you know, and the, yeah. almost this almost positive allergic reaction to losing or to being beaten. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, his whatever yeah. Joe, Joe had incredible ability, and 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 that with heart and desire and and intelligence. You know what I mean? And plus, he was able to take it to a point where. People aren't comfortable. Fighters aren't comfortable. Not all fighters are comfortable fighting from their heart, from their soul. You know what I mean? From, from operating when it's difficult, operating when it hurts. Not very few fighters are capable of, of fighting in discomfort. And Joe Calzaghe is one of those kids that can fight in discomfort. So he's like, you know what? I'm always going to take you to, to hell. Every time you step in the ring with me in order to beat me, you're going to have to walk through hell. And that yeah. is like, you know, that's that's where it's at. And nobody could do that with him. And that's what's, you know, that's what's incredible. And it's that adaptability, right? And obviously Ali had it. Sugar Ray Leonard had it, you know, with the yeah. Tommy Hearns fight. Uh, he yeah, was looking yeah. pretty pear-shaped. And, yeah. you know, someone like Sugar Ray, he, he could have accepted defeat in what was still a great fight with Hearns. He could have, after, you know, when the, you're blowing it, son, speech yeah. came. He could yeah. have he could have made that kind of silent agreement with himself that you know we'll go yeah. the distance yes. but I can't beat this yeah. guy tonight and he thought no yeah. god damn it no yeah because I was thinking I remember looking at I remember that fight distinctly and after I think it was the sixth seventh round when he had hurt Hearns and Hearns got up on his toes and started sticking and moving and I was just like Hearns is just like stacking up rounds with this boxing and moving and I was just like wow it's getting late and I don't think it's ever gonna it's ever gonna happen and. I know, and then that speech happened, and and uh, and Ray yeah. switched gears. Sometimes it's just like you just need that wake up call, and and um, that's something that one. Well, who knows Garcia has that gear or not? We don't know that, but you know, um, we know Sugar Ray does. One thing I said, funny, you've just reminded me of something I said about Garcia beforehand. I said from a boxer, 
I remember when Ike Quarte fought Oscar De La Hoya and Manny mm-hmm. Stewart said, mm-hmm. from a boxing perspective, Ike Quarte beats Oscar De La Hoya. He said, but then again, Oscar is a child of destiny. And he said, and he seems to have something that's protecting him. And he said, you know, and you don't mess with a child of destiny. Muhammad Ali was one once, he said. And his whole idea um, was that there was something more like a force field around De La Hoya where he was, he was going to get where he was going to go. Um, and I said uh, um, to someone else, I said, I said, from a boxing perspective, I definitely fancy Javonta Davis pretty much in every aspect. I said, but I do wonder if there's some of that kind of stardust, an X factor upon Ryan Garcia. And then I started thinking of Emmanuel Stewart's Child of Destiny comments. But obviously we, we saw how that one wound up with him. So apparently, you know, he doesn't, um, you know what, perhaps that was an overly mystical way of looking at it to begin with. And he just doesn't have the grit and the adaptability of, of, of a fighter like Oscar De La Hoya, you know, or Sugar White Leonard. Yeah. Well, um, he certainly doesn't have the amateur pedigree. And that makes He had 200 amateur good. fights. He had 200 odd amateur fights. He had 200. Uh, Garcia odd. did. Yes. They claim. <laughs> they claim it. So. That's interesting. You just assumed he did that, right? Did he, did he do the Olympics? No. Um, if not, you'd, you'd know about it. But um, if he had it done, you'd know about it. But um, he fought Devin Haney a whole bunch of times in the vest, they say, from, from kids onwards. You know, so he, this is the thing. He wasn't quite – when people said he was a social media boxer, the Instagram king, he wasn't quite that. Apparently, he does have yeah. triple figures in the vest. Yeah. I'm no, not, you know but, what? I've only got their word for it. Yeah. No, he's, he's, a, he's a legitimate – He's a legitimate fighter. Like he, yeah. he trains. Listen, anyone who can get in the ring with with another trained professional and be willing to be hit and exchange, you know, he, he's felt pain before. He's felt it in the, in sparring. He's felt it in real fights. You know, the anti- the yeah. pressure of the anticipation. I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, his performance. He he showed some good heart. Like he he really did try last night against uh, Javante Davis. I'm not taking anything away from his effort. I think that half, at least half of the responsibility was on his trainer. His, they didn't cover the bases they need to cover to make Garcia look as good as he could look. And so, no, and, and, like, and someone like Goosen is a, is a veteran, and, and you know it, he's one of those guys who's yeah. seen as a major asset to a fighter. You know, but it's uh, it's very easy. It's very easy to get caught up in when you have a fighter that's fast and he's. You know, he's pretty and he's looking good and everybody's loving him. And, you know, newspaper people are fawning all over him and a whole media thing. You know, he's got the Johnny Rockets hair and the whole thing. And, and you know, and people can get caught up in the image and then forget about the substance that you need in the ring. And and it's very easy to do that and just look back and say, yeah, my fighter, he's he's beautiful. And look at how great shape he is. And look at how fast and he's. He's thumping these sparring partners, and that has absolutely nothing to do with it at all. It has nothing to do with the fight. You need to with, with a fighter. What you need to do is when you when you're at the level that they're at, and you're fighting one specific guy, you need to drill everything so that he does it in his sleep. Like every time that every time that Javante throws that left hand towards his body. You lean back and you're coming over with the right hand. Your answer to that left hand to the body is a right hand to his head. And then he's going to start thinking about it. Once you get a fighter hesitating, once you get a fighter hesitating, then he's not punching. If he's not punching, you're punching. And if you're punching and he's not, you're winning. It's really, it's really easy math right here. So it's it's knowing. So I, I if I were if I had a fighter who was going to fight Davis, I'm like, okay, his right hook's amazing, his footwork's amazing, his head movement. He's always fainting. He's giving you angles. He's making you think. He's fatiguing you without actually punching himself. You know what I mean? And he's and he's giving ground. He's giving ground because he knows that if you set if he's not standing there in front of you, he's not giving you a chance to set your feet. And if you can't set your feet, you can't hit him right. And that's the, that's the basic principle with anyone you're fighting a puncher. That's why people tend to move when they're fighting punchers. Not because you don't want to stand in front of them, but yeah, you don't want to stand in front of them. You don't want to get hit with his best shot. You don't want him to plant, you root himself into the ground. That's when he's going to be mad. So you keep him turning, you keep him waiting and looking and hesitating. He didn't do that with Javante, and Javante did that with him. Yeah, I, I remember um, Bernard Hopkins or somebody talking about 
Bernard Hopkins' game plan for Felix Trinidad when he was the underdog going into that fight. Mm -hmm. And apparently they'd figured out the rhythm of Tito and his punches. And I think, I I don't know what it was verbatim, but it was something along the lines of he took three steps before throwing a shot uh, ordinarily. So he'd hit him every time he took two, you know, to stop him getting set, to stop him getting to the rhythm established. Mm -hmm. You know, throw, yeah. throw out all those, you know, defenses and stuff. But yeah. like you well, say, saw, I mean, it obviously worked for him because, yeah, that was. Well, uh... I I thought Garcia just looked like he was just a little, um, you know, a little bit over his head, and he was aware of that, and he was, and he didn't quite know what to do. He was more uh, cautious of unloading after the second round, yeah. um, but quite what I don't think he wanted to throw lead right. He he didn't want to throw the left hook. He was throwing jabs, you know, which yeah. When you fight a, a, a good southpaw, it is a lot harder to be successful with a jab. If you happen to think you've got a great jab, it's a little bit more complex against a southpaw, I feel, however good a jabber you are. But... I don't know. I think I think jabs are very effective against southpaws, but you have to come over their jab. I realized early in, in my boxing career that what southpaws love to do, they obviously they love to get on over your left side and come with that jab, so they're really dropping it behind your ear or on the side of your head. That's yeah. where, like, a lot of southpaws that love to jab get on you, and, and you have to come all the way around here with your right hand in order to hit them. So, yeah, they, they tend to get on the outside of your foot, and they'll jab you on the side of the head. That's their counter. But once I learned how to throw that left hook inside when, I'm my, yeah, foot is, when my foot is inside and over their jab, it changed everything. It changed everything. It's just, um, like, it's moments like that. You just have to be creative and adapt in the moment and try things. And and um, I think at one point, after he got countered a couple of times, Garcia, when Tang made a move, and he just tightened up. Like, he didn't just cover up. He almost, like, was pushing his gloves and his ribs into his anticipating getting hit. And at that point, when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, no. This isn't this isn't good. Right now, Garcia is at the lowest. I mean, he showed heart in coming out of it. He still tried throwing punches. But when I saw that, when I saw him hug himself really tight and he was just kind of like expecting yeah. to get hit and Davis didn't hit him, that's when I that's when I really said, Yeah, this kid, Davis has definitely got him. He shook. He said the, yeah. and, and so a little while later when the when the body shot happened. And, you know, amongst everything else, he was already showing fear of being hit. He already had been dropped. And he hadn't hit Tank hard enough to get that respect from him uh, that yeah. he needed in order to, in order to go on, or at least to, to stop Tank's role. You know what I mean? Well, it looks like Tank takes a great shot too because he did he did land clean a couple of times, Garcia, and it didn't um, cause any distress or nothing really. Yeah, I mean, Tank definitely takes a great shot. I don't think that Garcia like landed anything like just clean that he really just ripped through. I think I no. think that uh, that those shots Davis definitely nullified. He he got under those shots or he pulled back and made a miss. Um, Davis was very, very. A couple of times he took a flush shot because they said, um, what, "You remember when he when Davis pointed to some tape coming off of Garcia's glove, and they said, oh, and one of the analysts on the the Showtime team was about to say, it's a good job he saw that, and he was about to explain why. Then he got tagged with a big right hook, and they said, oh, he didn't see that, didn't see that. Oh yeah, so yeah, there, was, there, there, there are a couple of them. There, that, this one, I think there were two right hands in a row. Um, yeah. Obviously, the two right hooks are not two right hooks aren't uh, aren't uh, Garcia's biggest punches, but they're still going to hurt. Yeah, I'm sure. But he he likes to. I mean, if he throws the right hand, he generally throws it straight, a straight right hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the left hook is his money shot. But again, Davis nullified that. He absolutely took it out of play again with the touch. That touch. You know, there's things that young fighters could learn, like. You know what's beautiful about Davis and his fight style? He's the natural evolution of boxing, like how it should be. Like I like if you if you take fighters from the past, he does all those good things. And and he and his intent is always you're not going to go the distance with me. It's not just 
I'm going to beat you and I'm happy beating you by decision. His intent, his living, breathing intent is to knock a guy out, number one. Yeah. And number two is like, how do I do that and not get hit? at the same time. So he practices the defensive drills that he needs in order to be able to knock a guy out yet not have to take unnecessary shots at the same time. But his intent, his very intent is for, you know, his opponent not to go the distance and, and he stays like tied tight to that. And, and that's, that, that's kind of like, different than guys that are like, okay, I just want to win the fight. So I'm going to like tap, tap here and, t- and uh, turn him here and turn him there and blah, blah, blah. This isn't the intent of, this isn't true in the original intent of boxing to win a decision. That, that's a means to an end. If that's the correct use of the term, <laughs> it's, yeah. um, you know what I mean? You, you, your intent is to stop the individual. Number one, you cannot go the distance with me. If you happen to go the distance with me, then there are judges that say who won and who didn't. That's it. But That's I'm not, yeah, but I'm not it. banking on that. Yeah, that, yeah. I think that is a mindset thing. And so yeah. you And if every so, fighter, if every fighter went with that credo, went with that saying, went with that intent, boxing would flourish. It would be so much better. See, I don't want to make this at all about me with my very modest little bit of involvement, but I don't think I had that at all, that mindset, for instance, whatever I might add. I remember Mike Ayala, who might be watching this, because I think he may have made that comment that Simon was telling me about um, yeah. during the broadcast. But uh, Mike might... Ayala was saying, but yeah, if you're watching, Mike, how's it going? Um, but he was saying to me, you know, he said, yeah, you look good, but you look like you just bucks into participate instead of really to do some damage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I like that was completely the way. Yeah. When you say that, it makes me think um, about. Yeah. Um, that's automatically I think about that and think, well, yeah. I don't think I ever had that mindset of being like, you know, I'm going for an early shower no matter what. I know in the amateurs, yeah. it's a little different because you've only got three mm-hmm. rounds or four rounds to do yeah. that in anyway, you know. But yeah, um, and you know, so I'm not sure how I would I might have changed if I'd been got into yeah. longer fights. But yeah. but you're right, that is his attitude. Um, and he's surgical. He, uh, I, you know, the, I don't think he's like Donald Curry, but I think he has aspects in common with the peak Donald Curry in that sense. You know, just the the surgical kind of unblinking minimal brilliance of it all. Yeah. With the, the yeah. with the um, end game being about short circuiting that opponent and and yeah. rendering him, in, you know, incapable of continuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I see that. I see the um, the comparisons with Donald Curry and and. The only thing with Don, he would like he would wait a little bit longer. Like he wouldn't. Like Garcia throws punch. Sorry, Garcia. Um, Tank would throw Thank punches, and then he knows what your what your counter is going to be, and so like he's expecting you to throw punches off when he punches, and then he he knows you're going to throw the punch. He creates the opening, and uh, he, you throw the punch. The once the fist leaves your face, once the fist leaves your face, and it's out here. He knows your. He knows that's an open spot, so he's he's able to punch in between the notes. You know what I mean. Whereas Donald Curry was a little bit different. I mean, he was very like right here, very stolid, and and very like strong and purposeful. And yeah, up on the ball of the back foot, that lead foot pointing his opponent would be like whap whap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, God, like uh, Davis is a lot more like in pieces. You know what I mean? He's yeah. he's giving you a little bit more of this and this, and Donald Curry is very like right here, and that's. The only reason why, I mean, that's the reason why he was able to knock out Milt McCrory with that left hook. You know what I mean? He slipped the jab, came with the left hook. But yeah. the same thing coming back the other way. That's how Mike McCollum was able to knock out Donald Curry with that with that same thing. He slipped, came back with the left hook because he was standing still and he was in one place. Well, you know, Mike McCallum didn't slip did Donald Curry's shot and come back with the left hook. That's not what he did. Oh, yeah, he did. He threw the right hand and just came back with the left hook. Yeah, you know what he, you know how he broke it down, McCallum. Um, we, mm. we, me, and you need to do um, a physical show actually in the flesh one time where we're both completely in full length, so we can do demonstrations in a gymnasium uh-huh. as well. But what McCallum, the way he said that went down, he said he'd been throwing for a few rounds. He'd been throwing right up a gut to the body, then a left hook to the body, just come back with like those shots. Yeah, that combination yeah. two punch. Then he said when it came to the coup de gras, what he did was he threw that right up a gut to the body. Then he went as if he was bending to throw the left hook to the body. This is the wrong way around on Facebook, isn't it? So it looks like I'm going the wrong way, but I'm actually going towards my left hook, all right? Um, 
and then before he looked at the body, then brought it upstairs, right? And that's yeah. that's what he did. Yeah, having already set him up by by planting that pattern in his brain. Yeah, yeah. But um, but your ability to 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 distinguish, you know, intricately the the differences between, let's say, Jav- I, I threw it at you, Javonta Davis and Donald Curry, that brings to mind how it makes a mockery. You know when people make lazy comparisons between fighters and they say he's like such and such and you look at it with your your microscope, you know, and your system by silk kind of thing <laughs> and you say they're actually not at all similar and you can see yeah. that and a lot of people can't, right? Um, yeah. Because I remember talking about Donald Curry, the whole billing around Donald Curry was the new Sugar Ray Leonard, but he yeah. was nothing like Sugar Ray Leonard, nothing. was he, in, in, yeah, in, in so many ways? Yeah, nothing. nothing. He was more like he, he was more like Julio Cesar Chavez than he was like Ray Leonard. But it was yeah, just, absolutely. They, yeah, they were just looking for a new Ray Leonard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they were looking for a new Ray. I mean, he was um, he he was like pleasant to the eye as like as a fighter as a purist in boxing. He was somebody like. I know he was different. You know what I mean? He just did it the way he was very surgical, very purposeful. He didn't give you the, you know, like the fancy run around. Yeah, there was showmanship, you know, um, extravagance, you know. Um, This is the thing. And then, all right, Floyd Mayweather, uh, years later, Mayweather, as brilliant as he was, he didn't have any of that kind of desire that a Roy Jones or Muhammad Ali or, or a Sugar Ray Leonard had to entertain the crowd. That kind of frippery and, you know, bravado, yeah. Um he didn't he wasn't interested in that, was he? Floyd he, his whole thing was I'm gonna get this absolutely punch perfect. And yeah. if you don't appreciate it, that's your problem, not mine. Yeah. And 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 secondly, you're gonna pace with the nose to watch me fight anyway because of my because of my marketing outside the ring, regardless mm-hmm. of what I do in office hours, you know? Yeah. Interesting yeah. phenomenon Floyd like that, really. Floyd uh, Floyd um broke the mold in a lot of ways and you gotta hand it to him. Um, he, he fortunately he had he had the benefit. I mean, I don't think Floyd would have been Floyd if both his father and his uncle um, weren't professional boxers. No, because what they taught him and what they in, in, sort of like ingrained in him early was something that you know they're pros of wisdom that every single fighter could benefit from, and, and the fact that you know they were able to tell him. Uh, I mean, he was able to see for himself what happens when, you know, you don't toe the line in boxing and do the things you were supposed to do but, but from watching his what, what happened to his father and his uncle. But also yeah. he was able to, like, learn right there on time, like real time, real talented fighters. And this is how you do this and this is how you do that. Uh, I mean, Floyd had a different – everyone has a different way to hunt, and Floyd had an exceptionally different way to hunt. He would – First three, four rounds, even if he loses them, he gives them away. And he'll just like time you and touch you and and, da, 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 and, then, and then never letting you get a clean shot. And then when that frustration starts to set in, then there's the, you know, that. And that thing starts hitting you and then he starts touching you out more. And the harder you try, the least successful, the less successful you are. And and it, it was just a, uh, it was just a, a different way to do it. And he, he couldn't do that if he wanted to exchange with guys or if he was if he, he had to pay attention to the crowd's entertainment. You couldn't do be the style that he had and 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 be a crowd pleaser. It's just impossible. So Which so is why it was way, ironic that he became pay-per-view king because Yeah, and, and that's one of the wildest things about about boxing. Like if you look at it, yeah, he's I mean, he's not the most exciting boxer to ever have, you know what I mean? But he is the most successful boxer in terms of money anyway, in terms of generating money. He's the most successful boxer because directly because of his style. And nobody could nobody could knock that battery off the shoulder, you know what I mean? He, he no. was the one, so I appreciate that. Okay. Um, we've got 10 minutes. Um, we're also looking ahead to... Devin Haney versus Vasil Lomachenko. Yeah. And obviously with uh, with Tank, you know, I don't think Tank came out of the shadows last night. I think we knew who he was, but it's an impressive victory. And in the wake of these impressive victories, people always start talking about this mythical pound for pound list and oh he's he should be here on the pound for pound. I think that's all that all that stuff's irrelevant to me. And I, I'd have no interest in trying to calibrate him 
amongst all the other weight divisions and everything else. I mean, he's one of the major stars of boxing right now, and he's one of the best fighters in the world at any weight. And you see that from his from from his. He, he was before this fight, and he definitely yeah. certified it afterwards. I don't know if you know now people are going to say Garcia. Maybe he wasn't all that. This, that, and the other. But he took care of business like he wasn't all that. And then I don't know if any other lightweight would have done that so easily either. So, so do you do you feel he's the he is the, the the best lightweight in the world? And would you back him against either Lomachenko or Haney? Yeah, I, I, I would. I, I know how stars make fights, and you'd have to run it through the system before I went 100% with yeah. it. <laughs> you don't even know what you think yet until you've done I don't this. Know. Yeah, you've got to run it through the system. So, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a complex, it's a complex uh, operation here. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but, I, but I absolutely believe that if he isn't the number one... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, yeah, he's. The, I mean, he is the face. There was that conversation about it before. I believe he is the face of boxing right now. He's the one that's doing something, and that's been consistently doing something, even through COVID. You know what I mean? This kid was fighting and working and, yeah. and willing to do anything. He he never said no to anybody. I don't recall him saying, you know, let's make this fight, make that fight. And he said no. He's never dodged anybody. And when he gets in the ring with these guys, I mean, he's crazy impressive there's nothing he can't do and the only ones that i thought are that could get parallel with him are are um stevenson yeah yeah and crawford and oh no you're talking about anyway you're talking about just at the weights yeah yeah crawford isn't crawford isn't doing it he's not performing he's not having the fights that he needs to have uh nah. He's going to regret that in later on. It's a legacy yeah. killer. It's a legacy minimizer. He still made. He got paid telephone numbers to defend against David Avenition, You know the um, the the British based Eastern European guy back in uh, back in December. But but well, what are telephone uh, numbers? Getting, are they well, good or bad? Are telephone numbers. Telephone good numbers is a lot of money. When oh, we yeah. say telephone numbers, just think of a figure that's as long as a telephone number a purse. <laughs> that's the. I make that every day. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I bet. Um, I see, by the way, talking of that, uh, we're not talking of that, but I see you've got your own byline, uh, twice as sweet as chocolate milk. Um, oh, I'm you know. sorry. I should have told you you don't have yours. Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't have one at all when the show started. It was just literally plain old Ben Doughty. And I've since been um, upgraded well, to author author and trainer. trainer. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm okay with that, to be honest, because I don't want to um, – you deserve that kind of Muhammad Ali-esque <laughs> kind of byline because you did it um, – I don't want to, the older I get, the less I want to talk about a bunch of amateur fights that I had and whatever else. So I'll go with the more kind of straight man, intellectual author, trainer. You, you stick with twice as sweet as chocolate milk. Um, Javonta <laughs> Davis has one hurdle to face outside yeah. the ring uh, next month. He's, his legal case is up. Yes. I believe it was a kind of hit and run type of accusation where he crashed into a car, pregnant yeah. woman uh, in the car, etc., which is very emotive, of course. Did, did, she, like did she lose the baby or...? Oh no, right. I don't believe so. I don't believe okay. so. Uh, right. No, um, but um, it was just seen as callous, and you know that he it was reckless driving. He yeah. hit her. They asked she was supposedly pleading for help. I don't know, and and he got some friends to come and pick him up, and then just left the scene. He's yeah. obviously got a bit of previous, you know, with the um, he had the, the, the battery type accusation, which mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. then she um she withdrew the charge. I believe the, 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 the what you call him, baby mama, um. Okay, but uh, yeah. he has that, and I know some people are rooting for his for his downfall on that basis if it can't come in the ring. Certainly Art Mora and Leroy Nicholas, who are guys who regularly converse with on Facebook, were saying, you know, here we go to jail, you know, come May, this, whatever the date is. I can't remember the date in May. Anyway, you know, but I think it does feel, though, that there's nothing, the world does love a winner. And I think even some of that anti Javonta Davis sentiment, some of it appears to have dried up last night because of the impressive performance and because of the pictures of them afterwards, all smiles and, you know, embracing mm -hmm. and the respect. He does seem to have uh, 
ridden out some of that kind of negative wave of uh, yeah. public well, feeling. You know what? It all depends on what ju judge he gets. One judge may look at him and say, you know what? We're going to make an example of you. Like, we need that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and they may throw the book at him. You know what I mean? Uh, he yeah. might not be able to buy his way out of it. He certainly has enough money to do it, but it's not the way you want to, you know, spend your money, your fight money, paying off judges because you're doing things that, you know, you you didn't you wouldn't do if you were like in control of yourself or in the moment you know you, you at no. certain points like you can do things and all it happens to all fighters when they get when they start to like touch the success you just start to do things like you believe you're just it's just not going to happen to you i know it's happened it's happened to me i had a a beautiful, you know, 67 Mercedes SLC or whatever. It was a coupe and it had a, you know, and I'm speeding with friends and I, and one person jumped in front of my lane. So I swayed over and I hit the flat back of a flatbed truck and it almost got decapitated. I didn't, yeah. but obviously I still have my head here. I was going to say, I was going to ask, that definitely didn't happen, though. No? <laughs> <laughs> Most people would say it, would take my it took my brains out, but I kept the head here. But yeah, um, yeah. but um, yeah, and it's just you just do things that are just don't make any sense because rationalization and intelligence they 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 just don't. When when a man is feeling that about himself, when a man is all that, when a, when a man is winning and the world is on his back and on his shoulders and they're behind him, and you just feel like he can't do any wrong, and and that yeah. the fact that. He doesn't come from money. He doesn't come from, you know, where things are all well and good. And so he's handling this kind of money and this kind of fame for the first time with no one telling him or giving him, or maybe he doesn't want to listen to who knows what it is. None of that stuff is he getting advice on. So you're going to run into problems. You're going to like firsthand and you have to deal with it yourself. Like you're hearing it for the first time. You're first generation rich. So you're First generation always loses the money until the second generation learns and they bring it back and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Even people who are absolutely mind-blowingly rich, and if they give that money to their kids, their kids are going to lose it until they finally learn to, you know, do what pops did or do what grandfather did to hold on to your money. It's not easy, and and to, and to hold on to your common sense, all the rest of that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Calm your instincts, your urges. You need to get a hold of that so you don't, you know, so you don't mess up your life and, and other people's lives also. Yeah. And it's has ever been so, hasn't it? You know, obviously, yeah. the, probably the most historical, most extreme example is Mike Tyson. You know, the idea that nobody could handle all that fame, acclaim and money and yeah. pressure at such yeah. a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but that, that's the one thing, the caveat that's raised about Javonta Davis, as, as cool and professional as he is inside the ring and as on point as he is, that there is temperament issues. But some guys seem capable of compartmentalising to the yeah. point where that doesn't seem to affect their, their game yeah. in a ring, you know. Yeah. And I think Javonta might be one of those fighters, regardless yeah. of, of what's going on behind him, you know. This kid is, Ben, this, this kid is one of those generational fighters he really is great yeah. like his his physicality his fight iq is like i, I don't even i don't even know like he's 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 i mean there's the talent is out there for him to fight for him to really prove it but he could go down he's one of these kids that you could see going down as an all-time great he has that kind of ability yeah. now now the only thing that could that could hurt him is you know, obviously, somebody exceptionally talented as he is, but you know the 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 pitfalls that happen in life, and and the distractions that happen in life, and take away your energy to perform and to and to prepare for a fighter. And it only takes one slip up, and then once that weakness is found, everyone else knows, and they all go at it. So obviously, there is there is everyone has their kryptonite, and Tank has his kryptonite. We don't know what it is yet. Nobody knows what it is yet. Is it going to be exposed by, you know, something ha that happens to him socially and and then that affects his performance in the ring and then that weakness is exposed? Or is it some fighter like, you know, Stevenson or, or Haney or, you know, I don't know if he goes up and fights Crawford. Who knows? You know, um, 
maybe one of those guys will have to do it. But he he is an exceptional, exceptional talent. And and um, you know, hats off to the trainers too. I, I'm sorry I forget their names. I heard it last night. I, I don't know who it was an Alexander something, right? Um, okay, I'll, I'll check that out. It's you know, it's interesting because as wrapped up in boxing as I am, um, many people are. It's it's quite remarkable how sometimes we just don't know the trainers. And if I were to ask you historically who trained certain, you know, huge names from from history. And quite often, sometimes you or I would not be able to name who the trainer was, you know, in a surprising number of cases. They really are quite unsung, some trainers, you know. As some of them, are, no doubt, are overrated, you know. And um, yeah. they get that kind of whole mystique around them. And we've, yeah. we've examined that before. But, well, but, but ben, no, one of the things we have trainer. to do, we always have to take the trainers to task from now on. They're, they're responsible for their, for their trainer's for their fighters' performance, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Well, if you if you're going to take the if you're going to take the glory when the going is good, then you need to be available and accountable for for the failures too. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on that note, um, I hope perhaps we will see what happens with Iran Barkley next week. Um, yeah. If we can bring him to for the yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I'm quite glad we we had it just to ourselves this week because we were able to properly, you know break down the fight that happened last night which you wouldn't have been able to do with a guest but stay tuned join us as ever with guest or without you know it makes sense brought to you exclusively by ace podcast nation big thanks to simon willis always a pleasure silk that's us pleasure, Over is, pleasure is my sugar sports social podcast network lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details